I was going to say everybody's really nice around Christmas, but yeah, I just have to scrap that part of the sermon. Uh, they say of Christmas, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and there's, there's moments of it I definitely agree. There's only one thing better than Christmas, and that's a white Christmas. Amen. Might as well, if it's going to be Christmas. Yes. Uh, now, the thing about Christmas, uh, I love uh, all sorts of aspects of Christmas. I, I do enjoy the lights, and uh, most of the music I enjoy, some of it gets on my nerves. Uh, most of the movies I enjoy, some of you are claiming movies as Christmas movies, and they're not Christmas movies. Okay, so we're not going to get into that debate, but there's a lot of things about Christmas that I really enjoy. It brings a smile to my face. But here's the truth about Christmas, and we all know this. Uh, Christmas cheer fades, generally right around the time the credit card bills start rolling in, right? I got a big thumbs up from some. Uh, And so, and here's my thing, you know, we spend a month just celebrating and enjoying each other, and it is, it's, it's great. It's one of the most wonderful times of the year. But as much effort and money and attention as we put into having a happy holiday, if it fades so quickly, even before we can get the tree down, is there any hope of finding lasting contentment in this world? Now, this is what I believe. You can't always be happy, but you can always have joy. You can't always be happy, but you can always have joy. And this is one of the reasons I know this. There's a man named Paul. And Paul loved Jesus with all of his heart. And he walked with Jesus in all of his ways to the best of his ability. But Paul, as faithful as he was, he had a very difficult life. Uh, Paul, he found himself wrongfully arrested, whipped, shipwrecked, snake bitten, and imprisoned for years. And in one of the darkest moments of his life, he's in prison, and he is awaiting what he expects to be his execution. And as he's in prison, he he writes a letter to his friends. And in this letter, he says this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Always. He says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, that sounds like a command, and in a way it is, but it's even better than a command. It's actually a vision for your life. Paul is saying it is possible, it is possible to rejoice in the Lord no matter what. He goes on to say this in verse 11, just a few verses later. I have learned the secret to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. Paul learned the secret of being joyful in any and every situation. And this is what I'm thinking. If Paul figured it out, if Paul knew the secret, then maybe we can figure it out. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. What's the secret? You know this verse. What's this verse? Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Isn't it interesting? The context of that verse is not winning the game-winning touchdown, not scoring the game-winning touchdown. That's not the context of this verse. The context of this verse is even when you're going through hell, you can still have joy. Why? Because I've got Christ, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, happiness is based on what happens, but joy is based on a connection with Jesus. And so today, I want to look at Luke chapter 2, and I want to show you how Jesus causes great joy. Let's all stand together in honor of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. 
He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged, he was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we honor you. We worship you. Our hearts and our world longs for more of you. Please come and meet with us in a very real and tangible way. May the word become flesh in us. Speak so clearly through me that it is impossible for any person in this room to miss the gift that you want to give them. As you stand there with your eyes closed and your head bowed, take a moment, pray for the people in this room. This is your church family. There's a lot of needs in this room. Just pray the Lord will meet them. Take a moment, pray for those that are watching online. You never know who's going to watch online. And maybe this is just the right message at just the right time for somebody out there. So pray a prayer for them. Take a moment, pray for our city. In our county, in our state, in our country, in our world. That it be on earth as it is in heaven. And take a moment, pray for yourself. Pray a prayer. You can pray something like this. Pray it silently. Father, speak to me. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So we see Joseph and his bride-to-be travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem uh, to pay taxes. That's why they were traveling. Don't you love taxes? And so this is the beginning of a very joyous Christmas, the, the perfect beginning. Uh, they're going to pay taxes. Now, this is a 90-mile journey, and it's all uphill. So it's a long journey to begin with, made extra long because Mary was pregnant and they had to take a lot of bathroom breaks. The Mori Povich of it all is that Joseph was not the father. Okay, so there's, there's not a whole lot of recipe for joy, at least at this part in the story. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So when they got to Bethlehem, Joseph, he couldn't find any room. The Holiday Inn was booked. Uh, the Best Western, no vacancy. Even the moldy Super 8 on the sketchy part of town, they didn't even have any room. And so they had the Airbnb and outbuilding, okay? And this outbuilding is where the animals slept, and so they made a bed out of hay. And to top all this off, this is just turning into a nightmare of a trip, to top, top it all off, um, Mary goes into labor. This is the worst time and the worst place to do it. She is far away from home and her family, uh, not a whole lot of help, and she is surrounded by a bunch of animals in a dusty, smelly place, and it is in this 
unexpected, unlikely place that the most important person to ever be born, Jesus Christ, was brought into the world. Verse 8, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord showed around them, and the shepherds were terrified. So in a field overlooking Bethlehem, there were a group of shepherds, and they're hanging out with their sheep. And uh, you got to understand this about shepherds in Jesus' day. They did not have a good reputation. Uh, they were notorious. They had earned a notorious reputation for being liars and thieves. So much so that they weren't even allowed to go in the synagogues. They weren't allowed to go to any church house. And uh, they couldn't testify in court. That's how untrustworthy they were. There was a country song in Jesus' day that was entitled, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Shepherds. I made that part up, okay? So. Now, how many of you know that people have a tendency to live up to low expectations? And so chances are, this is a rough and rowdy crew that we've got in the pasture. When the heavens open up and these angelic beings come down, messengers of God, it makes sense that these sinful, probably rough and rowdy, no good for nothing shepherds pee their pants. It makes sense because they're thinking, oh, I'm, now I'm going to get what's been coming to me for a while. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So the messenger of God says to this notorious gang of shepherds, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I love this. If you think about God, so, so many people, they think about God, and they're like Adam. They go and find a bush to hide underneath. But the shepherds, in pronouncing the birth of Jesus, the shepherds, the angels say to the shepherds, God doesn't want you to be afraid of him. He actually wants to give you a gift that will cause joy. To which the shepherds, they, they would have thought, like many of us, oh, that's, that is good news. Uh, if you want to give me joy, then pay all of my debts. That's what's going to make me joyful. Uh, I'll get a better job. You know, maybe that's the message. My wife and kids will finally start to respect me. Uh, maybe I'll get a PlayStation 5 for Christmas, and then I'll really be joyful. You see, we, we have made, many of us have made the goal of our life to be happy. The problem with happiness is happiness is based on what happens. Therefore, happiness is fragile and fleeting. It fades before the Christmas tree gets taken down. And so you're going to chase happiness all over town. You're going to stress and strive to be happy, but happiness is always going to be just out of reach. And you'll say to yourself, I'll be happy if I ever graduate from high school. I'll be happy if I ever graduate from college. I'll be happy if I ever get a job. I'll be happy if I ever get a spouse. I'll be happy if I could ever find another job because there's a whole lot of idiots working at this job. And you see, it's just a progression. You're constantly chasing it and chasing it and chasing it. But God has something better than happiness for you. He wants you to have joy. You see, joy is resilient because joy is from the inside out. It begins in the mind, and it changes the heart. Joy isn't based on good circumstances. Joy, according to the angels, is based on good news. He says, the angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. So what is the good news? Verse 11, today, real time, 
In the city of David, real place, a savior was born for you, real people. Who is the Messiah, the Lord? So here's the good news that will cause great joy for all the world. In a real place, in a real time, to real people with real problems, the real Savior, the real Messiah, the real Lord has been born into the world. That's the good news that causes great joy. Now, I want to unpack that because we hear these words so often and we, we don't let it land on us. What a big deal this is. The Savior has come. Mary and Joseph, they named their son Jesus. The word Jesus literally means God saves. So what is Jesus saving us from? Before their trip, an angel appeared to Joseph to convince Joseph to stay with Mary, even though he wasn't the father. The angel says this to Joseph, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You see, Jesus was born to save us from our sins. And that is a hallelujah statement, but we've heard it so often, we've become numb to it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, don't ever forget, Jesus saving us from our sins is the greatest thing that could ever happen to us. You see, everything that you hate and everything that hurts you in this world is because of sin. Are there any people in this room that sometimes do and say, or maybe in your past you've done or said some things that you hate? Is there anybody in this room that you've had a package, Amazon package stolen off of your, anybody? It happens. How many of you, you you watch the news or you scroll through your, your Twitter feed, your Facebook feed, and you're disgusted by some of the things that you see happening in our world? How many of you in this last year, you traveled to a place in Kentucky where it was devastated by either a flood or tornado? How many of you in this last year have lost someone to some sort of a disease? You see, all of those things, look, what does the Bible say? The wages of sin is what? It's death. Sin is killing us. And all that stuff in this world that we hate, all that stuff in this world that hurts us, it is the result of sin. But Jesus came to set those who believe free from the deadly consequences of sin. Our Savior has come to free us from the penalty of sin. Guilt and shame fades away. Our Savior has come and he is saving us from the power of sin. Less and less does sin have dominion over me and you. Jesus is saving us. He will one day save us completely from the presence of sin. And when the saving work of Christ meets its glorious and inevitable end, the Bible says there will be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more mourning or death. There'll be no more anxiety or depression. There'll be no more cancer or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or whatever it is that's killing your loved ones. There'll be no more divorce court or funeral homes or caskets or hospitals. The old order of things will pass away and he makes all things new. Jesus is saving us from our sins. Luke two eleven. The angel says, today in the city of David, a Savior was born to you who is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior, and Jesus is the Messiah. The word Messiah means anointed one. You could also translate it promised one. Every Jewish person, even these rough and rowdy shepherds, they would be familiar 
with this title from the Old Testament about these prophecies that one day God would send a special person with a special gift and a special mission. The reality is, if you study history, all throughout history and every civilization, uh, people have been telling stories about a promised one, somebody who would come and make everything the way it should be. And so you got stories about Beowulf. How many of you remember Beowulf, studying Beowulf or Hercules? Uh, more recently, Neo. Any Matrix people in here? You know what I'm talking about. Harry Potter. We could go on and on. All sorts of stories about a promised one with a special gifting. How many of you, this last year, you saw Top Gun Maverick? If you didn't see it, shame on you. Spoiler alert. Okay, I'm going to ruin the whole movie for you. That's your Christmas gift. Okay. Okay, so the plot of the movie is that there is a, there's some evil force, government or something, and they're about to destroy the world. And so the, uh, the government, the, the U.S. government, they, they have this special mission to save the world, uh, but only an elite fighter pilot team can accomplish this mission. And so what they do is they bring in old Maverick from Top Gun, who hasn't aged. I don't know what's going on with that. But they bring in old Maverick, and he's going to train this elite fighter jet team, okay? And so the problem with the story is as they're going along training for this mission, They've set up this simulation where they're actually flying, but they're tracking all their, their times and everything and, you know, the trajectory. And it's got to all be just right or the mission, the whole mission just falls apart. And so they're going through it and they're training for months and months and months and they, none of the elite fighter people can do it, okay? And so the commanding officer, he comes to Maverick, he says, you're not getting the job done. None of these guys, you're not training these guys to do it. And so he fires them. Well, one of the high points in the movie is this commanding officer that just recently fired Maverick, he's meeting with all of these elite fighters, okay? And he's telling them, the way we've been doing the mission, it's not gonna work. We might just have to abort the mission altogether. About that time, right outside the window, this fighter jet just zooms right by, okay? And it's Maverick, and he has, I don't know what's going on in this world, but they don't have very much security. He's stolen a fighter jet, okay? And so he zooms right past the window, and then they look up on the radar screen, and he's actually flying the mission, okay, you know, the simulation of the mission. And he's doing everything just right, and he's going like at a suicidal speed, and he hits the mountain just right. He gets over it. He drops the, the, the bomb right on a dime, right where it's supposed to be, and then he zooms up out of there just the nick of time. He accomplished the mission. Success. Now, something strange happened in the movie theater I was in. At this point in the movie... Everybody in the audience got up on their feet and they were cheering like this was real life. Did that happen to anybody else? Just me. Now, I got to thinking about it, and that was, an, that was actually a spiritual moment for secular people. That's what it was. You see, they weren't celebrating Maverick the character, they weren't celebrating Tom Cruise the actor. They were celebrating the ideal of a hero. Every person all throughout history has longed for the promised one who is uniquely qualified, uniquely gifted to set things right. Micah chapter 5 verse 2, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, Micah says this, Bethlehem, you are small among the clans of Judah, but one will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. You see, the baby born in Bethlehem is the promised one that all humanity, 
that every civilization has been longing for from the beginning of time. Jesus is the hero every civilization was hoping would come. What Superman and Neo and Harry Potter did on a movie screen, uh, what, what Zeus and Thor and Beowulf did in legends, Jesus did in reality. What Adam and Moses and Joshua and David fell short of doing in history, what all of your heroes that you thought, this is this, I'm going to elect this person and they are going to solve all of our problems. What all these people, as well-intentioned as they were, what they couldn't do in history, Jesus has done perfectly. He is the Messiah. He is establishing a righteous and just kingdom in which everything will be as it should be and nothing could be better. He's working to bring about the conclusion of history that each and every one of you are hoping for. He is your Messiah, saving us from what is bad. He is your Savior, leading you toward what is good. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born, who is the Messiah, the Lord. He is the Lord. Now, the word Lord in the Greek is kurios. Kurios is used 6,000 times in the Old Testament. Every time it's referring to God. And so this baby isn't just a human hero. This baby is God in the flesh. Nothing is impossible for him. During Jesus' life, uh, he, he encountered this lady. She had, she had an issue of bleeding. She bled and bled and bled for 12 years. She went to every doctor that she could go to. And she spent all of her resources trying to get well, but nobody could make her better. It only got worse and worse and worse. But then Jesus came to her town. And she thought to herself, she had heard the stories about this man. She thought to herself, if I can just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, then maybe, just maybe, I'll be well. And so she pushed through the crowd. And at just the right moment, just last second, she reaches out and she grabs just the end of his cloak. And immediately the Bible says that Jesus did for her what no one else could do. And she was immediately healed. There's a story uh, in, in Mark about a, a man who was possessed by the power, the most powerful demon in recorded human history. His name was Legion, and uh, this, this man was possessed by the power of a thousand demons. Nobody could do anything with this demon-possessed man. They tried. They tried to chain him up. They tried to, everything they did, nothing worked. And this man terrorized the whole region to the point that everybody just abandoned all their houses and all their fields, and they just let this demon have the region. But then Jesus came to town. And before Jesus could even say a word, the demon saw Jesus, and he came, and he ran to Jesus, and he knelt before Jesus and begged for mercies because the demons flee at just the sight of Jesus. Jesus' friend died. It'd been four days by the time Jesus got there. They'd already had the funeral, the memorial service. Uh, the, the body was beginning to decompose, and there was a smell coming up out of the tomb, out of the cave. Jesus went to the, the mouth of the tomb, and he yelled into the tomb, Lazarus, come out. And in a moment, the dead man got up from his grave, took off his grave clothes, and began to live again. You see, Jesus has the power over darkness. Jesus has the power over disease. Jesus has the power over death. Jesus is the Lord. He is the Lord of the living and the dead. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Lord of all. He is my Lord and my God. And he is born 
for you. And so where is the joy? Where is the joy for the dirty shepherds that are covered in guilt and shame and treated like outcasts? The Savior has been born for them. Where's the joy for Joseph, who's on a long trip to pay taxes to an unjust government, who's responsible for a pregnant woman and a newborn baby, even though he's not the father? Where's the joy for a guy like Joseph? The Messiah is born for him. Where's the joy for Mary, who's a teenage mom under suspicious circumstances, who will be gossiped about and slandered her whole life, and who eventually is going to have to watch her, her son be tortured and killed. Where's the joy for a person like Mary? The Lord is born for her. Where is the joy this Christmas for the person grieving the loss of a loved one? Where is the joy for the person who got laid off and is having trouble paying their bills? Where's the joy for the person who is struggling with ongoing health problems? Where's the joy for a person whose spouse is leaving them? The joy is in the fact that the real Savior was born into the real world with real power for real people to get real hope of a real victory. You see, joy is to smile through the tears. Joy is to sing the victory song on the way to the battle. Joy is to know, I know things are difficult right now. The Bible says there may be weeping through the night, but there is joy in the morning. We have a Savior we have a Messiah. He is the Lord. Things are going to be okay. And so you may be hurting right now, but Jesus is going to save you from that. You may be hurting right now, but Jesus is going to set everything right. You may be hurting right now, but he's in control of everything. And he's here for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the greatest gift that's ever been given. And I pray that each and every one of us will be reminded of the Christ of Christmas this day. That we might draw near to the Savior, to the Lord, to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and be filled with joy no matter what's going on in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation, prayer, opportunity. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weak and weary, and I'll give you rest. So if you're here today and you're carrying a heavy, heavy burden, I just encourage you to come and kneel at this altar. Let one of our prayer warriors pray over you. If you're here today and you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, man, don't put off the best thing that will ever happen to you. I'd encourage you, if the Lord's speaking to you, if he's calling you like he called the shepherds, put everything else aside. Walk down that aisle and come and talk to me. Let's meet Jesus at the cross. And what happened to the shepherds when they came and they found Jesus? They went away rejoicing. You want to go away rejoicing today? Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. As we sing this song, come.